You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. Welcome back to the Love of the Star podcast. I am Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105 through the fan in Dallas, your radio flagship home for the Cowboys, joined as always by Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broaddus. He is now uh, co host of the G Bag Nation, 2 to 7 p.m. on 105 through the fan in Dallas, Monday through Friday. And with the Bengals coming to town this week, Brian, we, uh, we of course, we like to check in with our friends who, who cover the teams in other cities. And today, I'm glad we can talk to Mo Egger, who hosts on AM 1530 ESPN in Cincinnati uh, and is also the host of the Mo Egger podcast. And there's nobody better to talk Bengals about uh, with than Mo. So, Mo, glad to have you here. Uh, people can follow you on Twitter, at Mo Egger. Uh, how how you feeling about your Bengals after one week? Uh, well, you know, it was sobering. I mean, we, I think everybody still believes this team's ceiling is, is pretty high, but I think the fear coming into week one was that the preparation wasn't going to be there because this team basically took the off season off. <laughs> you know, they, they went through the longest season in the history of the league, making it to the Super Bowl. Uh, they went right to work on that offensive line, the front office. And then, you know, when we got around to OTAs and mini camps and stuff like that, they didn't have a mini camp. Uh, they started OTAs later than everybody else. They didn't start until May. Uh, those sessions were uh, lighter than your typical OTA session. And, you know, when, when training camp started, there were a lot of people who were there every single day asking around, going, you know what, does this feel a little bit too casual? They got to the preseason. Joe Burrow didn't play in any preseason games. Um, he had an appendectomy, which uh, may have influenced their decision-making. They didn't play any of their starters. They had an injury to Lyle Collins on the offensive line. And so – you know, the, the story of the offseason was four new starters on the O-line. Those guys never played together in a game. And it showed on Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They were not uh, physically able to match up with what Pittsburgh brought, specifically on the offensive line. And Joe Burrow played, I think, the worst game of his pro career. And let's be honest, uh, there's not a very long list of bad games he's played as a pro. So it was sort of a... Uh, a worst-case scenario for the Bengals. And more than anything, I think everybody's fears realized that the the lack of physicality during camp 
and not playing their starters during the preseason and the overall casual nature of how they prepared for the season was going to add up to a team that didn't look prepared week one. And I don't think that was a team that looked prepared week one. Yeah, Mo, but it seemed like to me watching the, the, the Pittsburgh game for all the bad things that happened in that game, they still were an extra point away from winning that game. And, and <laughs> yeah. that's, and that's what's amazing. And then, you know, I, I remember because the, at the, when it went to overtime, we were already into our, our pregame show with the Cowboys and I was trying to listen to it and kind of watch it, but it just seemed like everything that could have gone wrong for Cincinnati in that game went wrong. Uh, is it is it something that it's it, well? Hey, this is the Bengals, or is this something that uh, you know that uh, you're, you're kind of thinking? Well, maybe this might not be their year. I know it's only week one. Yeah, I, I think if you're glass half full, you go well. God, you know what? They they lost the turnover battle five zip. Joe Burrow could not have played more poorly. The The line couldn't protect him in the first half. They suffered an injury concussion protocol for T. Higgins. They lost their long snapper. And basically, if they convert the PAT with two seconds to go, they would have won the game. Um, right. In large part because the defense played fine. Um, I, they weren't on the field that much, and they didn't, you know, didn't create any turnovers. But the, the defense against what is not a, a great Pittsburgh offense was fine. Um, and, and Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase can make magic together. I mean, J- Jamar Chase, I think what was interesting about the game on Sunday is if in his rookie season you you got to know him through, well, he's this, you know, throw it downfield and go get it threat with what you saw on Sunday. And you saw a guy who ran every route in the tree. That was really encouraging. And, you know, when push came to shove, they're down six points, buck 27 to go, one time out in their back pocket. That's when a quarterback has to deliver. Joe Burrow delivered. It's not his fault that they botched the PAT because they had a backup long snapper. And then, you know, some of the things they went through in overtime, I, I, it was just a, a weird extra period. So on one hand, you could say, man, as bad as they were, they came this close to winning. On the other hand, the expectations for this team, and, you know, understand, you guys know, around here, we're not used to going into a season talking about the Bengals and their championship bona fides, right? <laughs> it's always... Well, can they finally win a playoff game, which is a you know byproduct of before last year, having not won one since 1990. And so we usually spend a lot of time here talking about, well, how can they make the postseason? How can they get in? And if they do, can they win one playoff game? Now the conversation is different. It's can they win the Super Bowl? And so there's a greater premium, I think, on every single game because the idea is the clearest path to the Super Bowl is win your division, have the best record in the AFC, and the way you do that is win all your home games, especially against the teams you're favored to beat, and come out of the gates. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with the, the Chargers and Chiefs who are playing as we do this, but if you look at the other AFC Super Bowl contenders, boy, the Buffalo Bills came charging out of the gate. Kansas City Chiefs came charging out of the gate. The Baltimore Ravens came charging out of the gate. The L.A. Chargers maybe to a lesser degree, but they certainly they won their game week one. So we put the Bengals with all those, you know, quote unquote, elite teams in the AFC. They're the only one that didn't look the part. I think that's troubling. And you can tell me, look, uh, the offensive line is going to be better. And I believe they will. I think they'll get to a point where they're okay. But um, are they going to be okay on Sunday? Because if the answer is no, a team that you're supposed to beat because of uh, Dallas's offensive issues, could beat you on their home field because you can't block. And so I'm interested in seeing how that plays out on Sunday. That issue about, you know, having trouble blocking, uh, you know, just going back and watching the game, it, it looked like it was 
especially issues on that left side of the line. Volson and Jonah Williams look like they had trouble. I know Lyle Collins had his issues with T.J. Watt, of course, uh, before he came out there. Uh, but is that where the concern lies right now for, for a lot of people in Cincinnati is, man, how, how are they going to block with that left side? Jonah Williams, I know, former top 10 pick, but more specifically, I guess, what they got going on with Volson inside. Yeah, Cordell Volson, for those who don't know, uh, won the the starting left guard gig in training camp. He was not the odds-on favorite. Um, they had Jackson Carmen, who they drafted last year in the second round out of Clemson, local kid from the Cincinnati area. He has been uh, an unmitigated disaster, quite frankly. Showed up last year, not in shape. There's maturity issues, and you know he had the chance to run with the ones at the outset of training camp. The first preseason game, he was awful. And open the door for Cordell Volson. Cordell Volson's a player they drafted in the fourth round from North Dakota State on an uber successful college football program. He, he was part of four FCS national championship teams and looked the part during training camp and in the preseason. But boy, there's a significant difference between playing college football and NFL football. There's a, a big difference between playing college football and starting week one in the NFL. There's a difference between starting week one in the NFL after making the jump to college football and you've got to block Cam Hayward, and then there's coming from the FCS level and starting <laughs> week one in the NFL, and you have to block Cam Hayward, and he struggled. I think as a general rule, by the time we get the end of the season, we're going to go, you know what, Cordell Volson was okay, but you know, let's see, since he was named starting left guard, he's had to block Aaron Donald in joint practices and Cam Hayward. Not an easy proposition. I think the troubling part of that is you mentioned the name Jonah Williams. Jonah is the only returning starter from this team. And, you know, last year was his first full season because year one, didn't play a snap because of injuries. Year two, limited to 10 games. So the good news was last year, he got through the season and he played okay. Uh, He has yet to play to the level of 11th overall pick. And so the question this year for me is, is that going to happen? And if it does, boy, there's a cornerstone moving forward. Unfortunately, your your one remaining offensive lineman from last year, um, Cordell Volson aside, might have been your worst performing guy. That was, I think, pretty troubling. Now, again, I think if you look at the individual players they have on the offensive line, there's enough of a track record to suggest that these guys – individually and eventually collectively are going to be okay. But again, uh, they didn't play together during the preseason they didn't practice together much during the preseason. And um, that certainly showed uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mo, and again, if we could flip it over on the defensive side of the, of the ledger there for the, the Bengals, you know, it appeared to me in watching them play, you know, Hendrickson, you have to worry about as a pass rusher, the linebacking core to me looks, you know, looks good. I mean, the, you know, f- the physicality which they play in. Is the strength, though, what you have, though, in the secondary with the Bengals? Is, is that – am I reading that wrong with, you know, with Eli Apple and stuff and Awuzier? I, I love your safeties, though. I mean, I love the yeah. Bengals' safeties there. So where would you think that the Cowboys – the biggest issues that the Bengals could give the Cowboys on offense? This secondary has been pretty good. And, you know, they they took a different approach going into last season because, you know, they had drafted William Jackson III in 2016. And year one, he didn't play because of an injury, kind of a recurring theme. Year two, uh, he finally got on the field and he was awesome. And then uh, years two and or years three and four, uh, okay. Uh, But it was still interesting to me that they let him go. 
and let him walk in free agency. And instead, and you know, the, the verbiage we used here was they're, they're replacing uh, quality with quantity. And so they, they brought in, um, you know, some players who didn't necessarily work out like Mackenzie Alexander and Trey Waynes, but they brought in Shadobi Awuzie, who played really well last year. Even Eli Apple, as much as people love to sort of beat him up, if he's your third or fourth corner, that's not bad. They brought in Mike Hilton from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Slot corner has done a, a really good job. And their safeties, you talked about him. Uh, Jesse Bates is is among the, the better safeties in the league. Von Bell has been a very good pickup. And then, you know, what do they do in the draft? They, they drafted, aside from Cordell Volson, nothing but defensive players and went heavy in the, the secondary with Dax Hill and Tyson Anderson and Cam Taylor-Britt, who's not going to play on Sunday because he's dealing with a, a, a core injury. So I, I think if you look at a lot of those individual players, you go, you know, okay, I mean, you guys had Chidobe Awuziang. Great player? No. Good player? Sure. But collectively, that's a pretty good secondary the way they've played with each other. Uh, Pittsburgh it really doesn't have the offense to test those guys, and so I would say if you watch week one, that secondary was okay. But I do think that's the strength of this defense. And I think a really interesting thing to follow over the course of the season, as I mentioned, they drafted Dax Hill. Dax is going to replace Jesse Bates, who they didn't sign long-term in 2023, but in the short term, in the preseason, they used him all over the place. And he was pretty effective Uh, in the opener. He only played six snaps. I think it's going to be interesting to see how his role evolves over the course of the season. But yeah, I I think that secondary uh, has a chance to be really good. Their defense, you know, they brought back of the 15 players who played the most snaps last season, 14 are back. They have the same defensive coordinator. Um, Are they an elite defense in this league? No, but if the offense is as good as we think it can be, it's not like they're going to have to win games 41-38. This defense carried this team in the postseason last year, and I think they're capable of a similar type of run. If the Cowboys are looking to get the passing game going, it's going to be hard, obviously, with Cooper Rush here. Um, where would you see them having more success targeting guys? I mean, we know Eli Apple, Awuzie, they're they're not necessarily world beaters there, but where would you see they'd have more success if they were – looking to target Apple or, or Wuzia? Well, I think if Eli Apple's in the game, uh, and, and and again, I think Eli gets kind of a bad rap. He he invites some of it himself, but, you know. They, <laughs> so does Eli Annie. Made some plays. A- yeah, Annie Eli invites it too. <laughs> made some plays for the Bengals last year. Um, he didn't have a good Super Bowl, but, I mean, he he was a reason why they, they got there. But, you know, let's be honest. If, if you're – First of all, if if Cam Taylor Britt, who they drafted in the second round from Nebraska, had gotten through training camp healthy, I think it's it's a pretty decent bet that he would have supplanted Eli as the third corner. And you know, if Eli Apple's your fourth corner, that's pretty good. So, all right, you don't have him; he's kind of the weak link. Um, and weak link doesn't mean bad player, but he's kind of the weak link. So he, to me, would be the guy that that you would look at. I still think it's it's going to be interesting to see how the the Bengals uh, use their linebackers in coverage because there's a lot to like about Logan Wilson. Some of those other guys they have there, uh, I, I think, can at times leave a little bit to be desired. But if, if you're targeting somebody in the secondary, I, I think it kind of goes without saying that Eli Apple would be the guy. Well, when, when you look at real quick at, at the – because when you think of Cooper Rush, maybe he's going to use Dalton Schultz to tie it in in this game. Mm-hmm. Is there one safety that would take him in this game, and the other would play more as a free, or, or how do they? How would they? How would they handle 
uh, a tight end that could have production. I think what would be interesting about the answer to that question would be if they put Dax Hill on the field, uh, because I, I still feel like there's there's looks they can show with his versatility. You know, at Michigan, uh, he played center field. He played in the slot. Occasionally, he lined up out wide. And in the preseason, you saw all that, and they walked him up to the box, too. Now, if we go by the way they used him on Sunday, which is he played he played a grand total of six defensive snaps, I think ideally they'd have Jesse Bates kind of play center field and let Von Bell take uh, take the tight end. And and if you ask any Bengals fan, you know I'm I'm in my mid forties. Uh, I think since I was in diapers, the, the Bengals have had a hard time covering tight ends. So uh, you know this this to me, if you look at the matchup and you go, okay, if Cooper Rush is going to have success, it's to Dalton Schultz. Well, every Bengals fan nods along and goes, yeah, it's the typical Bengals game where the opposing tight end has like thirteen catches for like a buck forty two and a couple of touchdowns. I think it's going to be interesting to see how they use the personnel in the secondary over the course of the season because of Dax Hill. But if it's just Von Bell, Jesse Bates, I think the guy that you would see most likely to be used in coverage on a tight end would be Von Bell. Mo Egger from ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati. We appreciate you very much. You guys can follow him on Twitter at Mo Egger. And, and while we like to fight here in Texas about does, you know, Bean, do beans go in chili? You can go argue with Mo about does spaghetti go with chili. My dad, of course, growing up in Hamilton, Ohio, believes it belongs. So, you know. Mm. Well, you know, we each have our own local cuisine. Uh, I, I spent a lot of time in Dallas because I was there for the Cotton Bowl last year. So I had every good barbecue place that I could get my uh, my, my my mouth into. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm free for any and all chili debates. <laughs> Mo, we appreciate you, man. All right. See you guys. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, thanks again to Mo Egger for joining us to talk about the Bengals. Brian and I are going to preview the Bengals for you here in just a second. But before I do that, I want to say thank you to our sponsor here, Boomer Jacks. Uh, Boomer Jacks, you can cool off with cool drink specials and affordable eats any game day, whether it be Saturday, Sunday, whatever else. It's the perfect spot to go catch the big game. It's also the perfect spot if you're just looking for a nice happy hour with coworkers, somewhere to go drink with the boys, or, or honestly, somewhere to just take your family. Because like I said, affordable food, affordable drinks, a great time, a great atmosphere. There's something for the whole family, your group of friends, whatever you want over there. You've got cool drink specials starting at $3, wall-to-wall TVs, live music, and more. Everybody's going to be happy, whatever kind of atmosphere you're looking for. 17 DFW locations, so there is one near you, and you can find your Boomer Jacks at boomerjacks.com. 
All right, Brian, uh, we, we just talked to Mo Egger for his thoughts on the Bengals. You and I have both watched that football team this week uh, to try and get our own takeaways, uh, what, what we expect from that football team, what we're looking forward to, where we think the Cowboys might have some success, where the Cowboys might have some concern. So uh, your biggest takeaway after you went in and, and watched the Bengals, I know you mentioned there you, you were really high on their safeties, think their secondary is pretty yeah. strong. Uh, but but where do you think the Bengals most challenge the Cowboys, and where can the Cowboys most challenge the Bengals? I think the, the Bengals' skill players, and I mean offensive skill players, are a huge challenge. Now, we could talk about Burrow, and you could talk about Chase. We'll see what happens, you know, with the report with T. Higgins and how that all plays out uh, as the week goes on here uh, with a couple more days. Uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, the, the tight end area bothers me for the Bengals, though, as well. And you know, with Hayden Hurst and, and what he can do. And, and, you know, to me, you know, I, I asked Mo about the cover of Schultz. But on the other flip side, as we say all the time, you have to worry a little bit about that skill of a tight end that has the ability to get up the field. He does a great job of finding space. He's a super athlete when you look at him play. Uh, you know, along the sidelines, the sideline awareness, you know, the ability to extend. Uh, I, I do worry, and, and especially with no curse this week. Yeah. How do you play that? You know, do you are you able to play Wilson uh, on him? You know, Wilson down, Wilson in coverage and, and run with him. You know, the ball tends to gravitate towards Wilson. Maybe you get a turnover. Maybe you get the interception, uh, create a fumble with him. But I, I wonder, because I think you're going to have to play Malik Hooker deep yeah. in order to handle what's going on on the outside to try and help some of these corners uh, if the ball goes vertical like we saw against the Buccaneers where he's able to play from the middle of the field and work to the outside. So the the skill players, I, I don't think we're giving uh, Mixon enough credit for you know what he could potentially do. Yep. You know, catching the football out of the backfield. We've seen times where the Cowboys have really struggled uh, dealing with you know running backs that catch the football. And so, I'm I'm just the whole skill package for the Bengals. You know, makes me a little nervous. But you could say their offensive line is struggling and struggled through Week One. And if you could get pressure on Burrow, he'll run himself into sacks or. You know, he'll turn the ball over himself. So uh, a lot going on, but a lot to like about the Bengals' offensive skill players. Yeah, I think, you know, we we all know about, you know, uh, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins going through concussion protocol, but they at least sound optimistic as it stands now. As we're recording this on Thursday night, it sounds like they're optimistic that he'll play, that he'll be able to clear protocol. But that obviously is uncertain. Um, but But those obviously challenge you, and we all know that. Yeah, I think it's important you mentioned Mixon. Uh, you mentioned Hayden Hurst. I, I just, watching Hayden Hurst play, and we've seen him over the years, but watching him play, I just looked at that and went, man, without J. Ron Kirsten there, yeah. tight end was a position. Mo joked about how Bengals fans will say you can't stop tight ends here in Cincinnati. It wasn't until J. Ron Kirst got here that the Cowboys were able to stop tight ends. They've had that issue for years now. And so no J. Ron Kirsten there, and, and watching the way that he can challenge them, that's concerning to me. And I also look at, go back and look at how the Cowboys played against Tampa Bay and saw how Leonard Fournette wrecked that defense. And I looked at it and I went, 
Man, I think Mixon gets even more. If he's in the backfield for the Buccaneers that night, I think Mixon's an even bigger problem than Fournette was. And so, to me, it's just like there are a lot of ways that they're going to be able to pressure you on offense. And like you say, what you're going to have to count on, that left side of the line, Cordell Volson, Jonah Williams, they're clearly struggling. Dallas is going to have to really try and, and wreck the game, I think, from that left side of their line. Well, Lyle Collins wasn't very no. good either, and no. that that's going to be an issue. Uh, you know, he we we had a, we had Tank Lawrence on 105.3 The Fan today on our show, and he made note of that. He's like, you know, hey, you get a little older, you know, injuries, things happen to you, you get a little slower, you know, you know. He was trying to be super, super nice and positive about Lyle Collins, but he watches tape. Heck, we all watch the tape. Lyle Collins wasn't good enough. You yeah. mentioned Jonah Williams. Jonah Williams, carry him wide, carry him wide, then carry him back inside. He's going to not adjust quickly enough to get to you. So, yeah, there, there's some there's some things across this. You know, if the Cowboys are going to win this game, it is going to have to be pressure Joe Burrow and force turnovers if they can. You know, and even – I mean, I say that, and then I'm laughing to myself because they got a turnover last time against the – the Buccaneers at midfield, and they get three yards on it. You know, so, but to your point, the thing about Mixon, I guarantee you they are going to test the edges of this Cowboys. And and the, and the, and the, the Bengals, they run the toss sweep where they pull everybody, yeah. that old USC student body right, where all those big old linemen are pulling outside, you know, and if you're getting down block, down block, and all these pullers – and now it's out there on digs and there's no safety support and all that, you're going to have problems. They're going to have success running the football. I guarantee you the things that you saw that Tampa Bay gave you trouble with on defense are going to come back, and you're going to see them again this week. At least the Bengals, I think, are going to say, listen, we're going to run this play until you stop it. And that ball getting on the edge is one of those things. Given that, you know – Lyle Collins seemed to have such trouble with T.J. Watt, um, but then the whole left side of the the Bengals line seems a little little vulnerable right now. Where would you be looking to pressure Parsons? Would you rather just have him out there on the edge, trying to you know as a similar type of athlete and similar type of player as T.J. Watt, have him take advantage of what seemed to be a mismatch there, or would you just try and and overload what that left side can handle and try and get Parsons from that side? I might play Tank Lawrence inside as a three technique on a rush, you know, if it's a long, if it's a passing situation, I might play, like I say, play tank at the three over, over Bolson play it, you know, and just let him attack him. And then I might take, uh, take uh, Parsons and put him over Lyle Collins. Lyle Collins to me does not look in shape. He doesn't look ready. And, you know, I guess hey, another week that, you know, Mo was even talking about it, you know, no training camp for a lot of these guys. So, you know, football shape and all that. If if you tell me I can move Parsons around, I think I'm putting him over Lyle Collins because Lyle Collins looked like to me he struggled with power. He struggled with his movement. And I think you could kind of take him out of his game uh, over there on that right side. I saw a discussion on Twitter this week. I saw Duke Manningweather had gotten involved in it a little bit. There was some discussion about it. Do you think Burrow is a quarterback who naturally will will draw sacks over his career regardless of how the offensive line blocks is he a guy who he moves extended? into sacks too so, yeah you moves know, you into watch sacks, him holds you the watch ball. him when he's, yeah 
Yeah, he's slippery to a point. You know, you got to make sure you hit him and you get him. But there are times where Joe's been hit enough now and he's dealt with the knee and all that. Joe's not interested in fighting for anything extra. Now, like I said, he'll be slippery and duck. You know, I, I, I've never been more grateful for a quarterback to be on my team than when Joe Burrow was at LSU. Him and Chase and Jefferson at Minnesota, all those kids, you know, they, they, they were outstanding players. And they're outstanding players in the NFL. But you watch Joe Burrow. I don't think he's interested in trying to extend his like he once did. You know, when and, you know his days at LSU and and then now his first year. And that that knee injury, I think that took something from him as far as how much he really wants to play that way. Dan Quinn talked this week about the replacement for Curse likely being some sort of combo of Marquise Bell and Israel Mukwamu. Um, when we talk about trying to replace tight end, do you think that's something that whenever they're in run looks or, or whenever they're playing against what they believe is they're going to need extra defenders in the box, is that Bell? And then when they need somebody to try and take away Hurst in the passing game that we'll see Mukwamu? Yeah, I think that's – I think you're absolutely right. Mukwamu, we, we know this, Bobby. There was – I believe it was the Chargers preseason game came up a couple of different times. Yep. I don't know how comfortable he is really doing that. You know, no, I don't know how comfortable. Heart. Yeah, Bell to me now again. Bell's a rookie. You know, and, and you know, it's 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 you put him in there. Is he going to be okay? Yeah, I mean, heck, we were worried about you know Tyler Smith last week. You know, sometimes you just got to play these kids and and see what they do. But McQuamu showed the ability to come forward and close. You know, getting mixing on the ground is not an easy thing to deal with. But you got to be physical. You got to get bodies to them, and whichever one of those safeties they feel like could be better in in doing that, I think that's the one that's going to play. You think Dallas is going to get some favorable looks in this game in the passing game? I mean, it feels like everybody at this point expects Dallas is going to have to lean so heavily on the run. Do you think there are going to be some opportunities for Hey Cooper? Us, you're going to see some single coverage in some situations. Yeah, I think, but it's going to be about winning on the outside. You know, I are you you know if I agree with Mo, uh, you know uh, Eli Apple is the fourth corner, <laughs> sign me up. Fifth corner, sign me up. He's your starter though. You know that's that's the deal out there, and I think you could take advantage of him. And every time I say, oh, take advantage of Carlton Davis, yeah, they never do. <laughs> yeah, they never. You know, they never throw a ball down the field. They make every all these guys feel so damn comfortable running routes. So. I, I, you know, I like Cooper Rush throwing the ball. If he could get protection, I'm okay with him throwing the ball. If, if, if in fact that, you know, that CD can win off the line. You know, CD's got to learn to win quicker off the line, and and you know, not doing all this movement stuff. And just you know, get off the line, win your route, and get into it and go. You know, get look for the ball. And Noah Brown, Simi Fajoko, these guys have all worked with 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 Cooper Rush on scout team. They, you know, they know they know what kind of ball they're going to get from 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 uh, from Cooper Rush, you know, and maybe it's too much to ask, you know, Kellen Moore to have a game plan that you know when he's calling on his call sheet, you know, to help everybody involved. I last week I, I you know kind of felt like oh hey run the ball a little more, you know maybe if you're Mike McCarthy click over on the headset and go hey. Uh, Kellen, run this time. Come on, let's let's get a little running going. Let's see what we can do with run. Maybe we can help our quarterback here. You know, I was when Dak was playing bad. I'm thinking, how do you help him? 
you know, and then Eric Chiafalo, who I work with, or we both work with, excuse me, on 105.3 The Fan, he's like, well, every time you run or something like that, they get a penalty. You know, every time, you know, you, you think you're going to have some positive plays, all of a sudden, oh, it gets pulled back. You know, it, it, it's a little bit different. If you're going to run the football all the time, you know, you're, you're, it, it's going to take time, but you're also susceptible to the, the, the holding calls and stuff like that. You know, the penalties that bring them back, and then all of a sudden it turns into, well, Cooper Rush has got to make a play here now on second and ten kind yeah. of a thing. So that's that's the tough thing. If you're, you know, if you're going to continue to get nine to 12 penalties a game offensively, and defense didn't have a penalty. You know, defense didn't have a penalty last week. But if you're going to continue to get penalties – I don't care who's calling plays. It ain't it ain't going to work because you're always going to be behind the chains. Real quick question before we we move on to the Twitter mailbag. Last thing here. Uh, I was talking with another colleague of ours, Reginald Atatula, over at 105 Through the Fan, uh, and he was sharing with me an observation of his, and I'm curious if you see this at all. Do you see CeeDee Lamb rounds off his routes too much? He does. He does. That, that's he concerning does. because I always Inside. saw him at Oklahoma. I didn't see that. No, it was a lot of it was underneath the drags and stuff. It was all pretty quick. And, you know, maybe it's a little bit of like having two wide receiver coaches. You know, I mean, these wide receivers have had to deal with a a new set of, you know, hey, this is what we're going to need to do. And, you know, I, you know, I kind of feel like that that might be a little bit of an issue right now. What is CD hearing? What is he learning? What are they teaching him? You know, I, I think there's some issues with CD. Yeah, but I think he's a damn good football player, too. And I think if you, you put the ball on him and give him a chance to catch it and go, he could do those things. You know, I, I, I think I think he ha- has a bounce-back game because I think that Cooper Rush is going to get him some balls he can take advantage of. And, and just to, for anybody who doesn't know, I always hate feeling like if we're talking over somebody said, rounding off your routes basically just means the cut is not sharp. Not uh, sharp. So, so yeah. when, when, Sorry when you're that. making, I it, no, that. no, I was the one who used the term. So when you're making a cut, you basically take a, a almost a circle, circular a circle, cut yeah. Inst- exactly. So you're rounding yeah. it off instead of like jab it, sticking your plan and go. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. So the Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. All right, before we jump into our Twitter mailbag, I want to say thank you again to our sponsor, Boomer Jacks. You know, it has been a stressful 2022 for a lot of us, whether those be for football reasons or, you know, other reasons. Uh, and you deserve a stress-free night out, and Boomer Jacks is going to be able to provide that with wallet-friendly drinks and eats. Uh, They got live music, all the games that you could be looking for, you know, professional, collegiate, whatever. 
it's going to be up there on the TVs at Boomer Jacks. There's something for the whole gang, whether you're looking for a great place for you and your friends to go hang out, a happy hour for the coworkers, or honestly, it's a great family spot too. Any sort of setting that you're looking for, Boomer Jacks is there to provide it. And you deserve to be happy. You deserve to have a nice, stress-free evening or, or Saturday afternoon Boomer Jacks is going to provide that wall-to-wall TVs, live music, and more. Everybody's going to be happy. 17 DFW locations, so you know that you will have one near you, and you can find your Boomer Jacks location by heading over to boomerjacks.com. Brian, it is now time for our favorite part of the show, and that's where we hear from our dear listeners for the Twitter mailbag. And the first question here I think is a good one because we've talked about this a little bit, but we haven't necessarily gone in-depth on this. Kobe wants to know, what has Tolbert done? Then he puts it in parentheses, or not done to not be in the rotation. What what are your thoughts on what we, you know, the things that we've seen from Tolbert that are just discouraging or the things we haven't seen that aren't encouraging enough that have kept him to be a game day and active the first week and, and who knows where he'll be at for the second week? There was times when you and I were together in Oxnard that I didn't feel like that he handled uh, the routes very well. I didn't think he finished very well. I think there was some struggle with him on extending for the football, fighting for the football. And then you saw that in some of the preseason games where it just, you know, you curl in and, you know, you got a guy on your back and, you know, you're, you're trying to fight to get the ball, but not extending, like almost body catching it. Like you're trying to get it to you in order to secure it instead of extending for it. And I thought he was just real inconsistent doing that. And it was almost like he was playing with, his nerves were just not very good and when he played in those games, the Bronco game, you know, the Chargers. And then we came back to the star, and I felt like he was practicing better. Yeah, he I was. felt like there were times – Mike McCarthy like, said okay, that. Yeah, he, he, where he was – where you're watching, you're like going, oh, okay, this is encouraging. But, you know, and I, I know a lot of people I, – I mean, I got in some discussions on Twitter with folks, and, you know, there were gentlemen – Guys calling me out, you know, about, hey, what, you know, brought us your wrong nine out of ten times. Why should we listen to you? And I'm like, no, no, I'm hearing that from from reliable sources that they're not going to address him. And they just – the inconsistencies with the, his game. And, you know, it wasn't about – you know, I, I applaud him for doing this. It's not about always protecting the draft. It's about, you know, putting guys out there that can make plays. And, it, and this is not the end of – of Tolbert, this is not. You know, everybody's acting like it's the end, and it's not. It's just, you know, right now, and, and you know, Stephen Jones, Mike McCarthy, they're they're telling you, they're saying, hey, we threw a lot at him, and it, we asked a lot of him, and it was too much. Where you know they threw a lot at Micah Parsons, and I, and I kept thinking, man, they're loading the wagon on this kid. They're making him rush. They're making him cover. They're making him do this. They're making him do that. He he handled everything they asked him to do. And Tolbert, I felt like his confidence, his, his, his demeanor, it just seemed like that he was not just – it's not that he wasn't into it. It's just – it was tough. And you could tell it was weighing on him. Like every time you felt like that he, he found a uh, – you know, found the, the top of the sand pile, he was – another scoop of sand was thrown on top of him, you know, and he had to try and dig himself out. But when he got back to, to Frisco – you know, at the start, I thought he had better practices, but it just wasn't good enough to to make you feel like that they were going to make him active that week. 
Yeah, and, and like you say, I think that he's still going to I, – I, I still anticipate he'll have a good career. I liked him quite a bit when he was coming out, but it is disappointing that he gets beat out for being active by an undrafted free agent in his class. That's that's a little bit concerning. Yeah. Next question here from uh, Jake. He's asking, CD Lamb over under seven receptions against Cincinnati – Boy, seven's a lot. Uh, I mean, I mean, Cooper Rush showed last year that he's willing to to lean. He'll load somebody up if they're catching that ball. He he will. So seven seems like a lot. I feel like he's more in the five to six range. So I'll go a little under. You know what? I I would say probably a little under too. But I bet you there some big catches there. I bet you we get. I bet you we get some CD Lamb. You know, some some chunk plays out of those six seven receptions that. You know, I, if if they go out there and he gets two on eleven targets again, now start to sound the alarms. Now start to to think, okay, what is the what is the real problem here? I'm not going to say just bad day at the office last week because the quarterback wasn't good, the receiver wasn't good, the coordinator wasn't good. You know, there's a lot of bad things offensively, but you go out there and get two catches again, and you say you have, you know, ten, eleven, twelve targets. That that's that that just can't happen. That can't happen. I uh, I'm I'm gonna I think coin a a little bit of a new term or it's not a new term but a new I'm gonna draw an analogy to football and uh, is does C D Lamb have issues with photosensitivity when the lights are bright? Does he have problems? Yeah, I I don't you know because last year last year first game against Tampa first yeah. game in a full stadium prime time uh-huh. against the Super Bowl champs. He looked like it got to him a little bit. First was, game as the number one primetime looked like it got to him a little bit. You know, Bobby, and it's funny because you say that, and it's almost like CeeDee Lamb was talking himself into, I've worked hard, I've worked hard, I deserve this, I'm a number one receiver, I've worked hard, I've worked hard. You know, I that's the most confident that I've heard CeeDee Lamb ever talk. Now, CeeDee Lamb, could, I, I say most confident, but there's times where CD's been soft-spoken about things and kind of – but this was the time when you guys talked to him last week before the Tampa he game. He sounded great. He sounded like, I'm ready, I'm ready. And But I wonder if he was trying to talk himself into, okay, I'm nervous, this all get out right now. I know I'm the number one receiver and all that. You know, I it, it's tough, man. When you, when, you, when you put that uniform on, especially at that pro level – it could be a, it could be a daunting task, and you know he's made for two years. He's made a lot of receptions, but sure. now you're the lead dog in the sled. You know you got to go lead the you got to go lead the uh, the charge with the rest of the dogs. Next question here along the same lines of C.D. Lamb, so we can expand it a little bit. Joshua asking, are the Cowboys using Lamb in the correct way? I think he's best in the slot, running crossing routes and option routes, wide receiver reverses and screens. Rather him be in the slot. Brian, do you yeah. think he's just better as a slot primary receiver? How about that? Mike McCarthy told you he hates slot. He hates option routes today in yeah. the in the, yeah. in the media session. He told you he gave you a reason why because and if you if you if you want a really good explanation why he doesn't like option routes, yeah, go back on go back on DallasCowboys.com and and listen. To, Michael Gelkin asked the question. And I thought it was a really good question. I thought Mike get a, gave a super answer about not having to put it on quarterbacks and not having to put it on receivers in order to have success. He was, 
you know, if the Cowboys run option routes, Mike McCarthy is not a fan of the option route if you listen to him talk. And he gives a really, really, really good reason. But, yeah, we've seen CeeDee Lamb and stuff with the, you know, in training camp and, and, and practices and when they're moving him around and stuff. You know, I think the movement part of it's fine. I just – maybe you have to give him the whole field to work with a little bit more uh, but you know, get him the ball a little bit quicker because the slants and stuff like that. If he's going to be, if he's going to be kind of clunky getting out of his off the line, and then you're trying to throw the slant, the quarterback's holding the ball, holding on that double clutched it a couple of times. So I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm kind of caught right now playing inside. I think that you know you get him some routes, you get him into it quick, and you throw him the football, and away you go. But again, if you want to know why Mike McCarthy is not a fan of option routes, go listen to his press conference today. And again, Michael Gelkin asked the question. When you, uh, one last thing on CD, he's not a particularly, I mean, you can see him, he's thinly built. He's not a particularly strong receiver. He doesn't, he doesn't play with a lot of strength. Do you think that's an issue for him on the outside? The fact that, you know, maybe corners feel like they can pin him. He has trouble getting to the middle of the field. Is that why him being in the slot may be a better – where he's better suited since he doesn't have to work? It, it, yeah, if, it, the if they don't if, yeah, if they don't press him up there, you know, I mean, if, but you got to kind of – if you play him on the move, you know, but that's what I'm saying. If you if you get him going in the route and you have – I think he's fine with free access. It's when he's trying to – the movement at the line of scrimmage tends to give him a little problems or it makes him a little bit more delayed – getting into the route. So, yeah, playing in the slot might might be the best thing for him. Next question here from Ryan Trammell. Uh, first off, he says, we have the best podcast around, Ryan. Thank so you, Ryan. Very nice of you Ryan. to say that. Appreciate uh, that. He says, do you think our offensive problems from the second half of 2021 and last week stem from being consistently out-schemed slash out-coached, or is it more mm-hmm. due to lack of talent or skill limitations at different positions on the offense, or is it some combination of both? I think it's a combination, and, and I hate riding the fence, but I really do believe this. I think your offensive line gets compromised, and especially last week. You know, if you look, losing McGovern, and you can say what you want about McGovern, but early in that game, I mean, you look at the first drive when they were playing. I mean, he was in the game when they were moving the ball. And I'm not saying – I sound like I'm saying McGovern was the reason why the offense bogged down when he went out. But I think that him and Tyler Smith were going to have a really good game together. And you saw some kind of some leakage and problems and stuff like that when Farniak and Smith had to deal. Those are two guys that, I mean, one's played zero games and the other has played very little, you know. And and this week will be Farniak's first start. And it will be Tyler Smith's second start. So, you know, I think that the, the combination of some of the offensive line, the, the, the issues with – you know, some of the pickups, maybe a little communication, that hurt the offense. But you, you got Dak Prescott. I mean, he, you know, he's a guy that you were – I mean, I know I was. I was really excited for Dak this season because I thought he was going to show people like, okay, take this away, take this away, yeah. and I'm going to be just fine. And it wasn't that way. It wasn't that way. I don't think your coordinator was, has been very good the last, say, uh, several games. You know, I mean, I just, I just, you know, he, it's almost like the double reverse stuff with Pollard. He like, he forces that stuff, yeah. you know, just so there's sometimes you just got to go back to just maybe running the football, yeah, let, or throwing let, it to Dalton Schultz or simple stuff, just kind of get everybody going again. 
And then you could be cute and creative and run double reverses and throwback passes and all those things. But when your offense is struggling, you almost have to go back to basics. And Zeke Elliott told you that. you got to run the ball more than 10 times. And I'm not saying you have to become the Tennessee Titans or even look at the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. They're what, two, two and seven or two and six. You know, they're going nowhere. And what they do, they start just running the football. They got one of the better offensive lines in the league. You know, they, they, you know they, their quarterback can't throw great. But what did they do? They, they went and did what their team is good at. And, you know, in that game the other day, they looked like they were okay running the football. One of the positive things you could say, if you believe in metrics and pro football focus and ESPN stats, you know, their running game average, their their grades was right about you know, mid-pack for the, you know, for how they – the best thing they did offensively was run the football. And yeah. I just can't believe that you would go away, you know, and, and if I Mike McCarthy again, I click over and I say, Kellen, run it here. Run it again. Run it one more time here. Let's go. Let's get Dak into this game and let's run and let's, let's see if we can kind of get something going and then throw the football if you have to. So – I, you know, you want to blame seat. I know it went way around the block on that question, <laughs> but that Kellen Moore to me and Mike McCarthy, I'm, if I'm Mike, I'm telling Kellen Moore, do this, do this, you know? And Mike is, you know, Mike, I think does a nice, I mean, he's, he's letting these guys coach, but sometimes you have to click over there and tell Kellen, Hey, we got to think, think about this. Think about this right now. You know, Mike was a play caller. He understands. Yeah, I, I I think that's completely fair. Uh, that was I, that was way long. No, 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 I mean, no. It's good, I, Brian. This I get is what on we're a rant here for. This about is what this. we're here it, for. It frustrates me because I've seen C.D. Lamb make plays. Yeah, I watched him at Oklahoma make plays. Sure, you know, I watched a coach. I watched Jalen Hurts throw him the ball to make plays. <laughs> what does that tell you? You know, that's, that's there's a, ways that, to that do puts this. It, that puts it into perspective right there. What you're telling me is they need to go hire Lincoln Riley is what I'm hearing here. I would have interviewed that's, more than two people. I know that. <laughs> I don't disagree. Uh, all right, Brian, uh, quick prediction for the game. I have the Bengals winning this one. I don't think it's going to be particularly pretty. Give me the Bengals 31 to 13. What do you got? Oh, you're saying just an old-fashioned ass kicking? Yeah, that yeah, that's old-fashioned ass kicking. It's what they, they, I think we're we're due for a couple of these, probably. I think the game is going to be close. I'll, you know, I'll, I hope I'm way wrong about this. I'm going to pick the Bengals, though. I think the Bengals find a way to win this one, 23-13. All right, very, very good. Offense struggles again. We both agree on that. There's that, at least. Yeah. Uh, for Brian Broadus, I am Bobby Bell. Thank you so much to Mo Egger for joining us today. And uh, we will talk to you guys again on Monday, hopefully after a Cowboys victory. Talk to you all then.